Hey everybody, welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. I am your host, as always, Jeremiah Johnson. Thank you once again for joining us here on episode number 33. This is going to be a very special verse-by-verse edition I'm going to explain in just a moment. But before we dive into that, as always, I want to say thank you for listening. Applause it, like it, subscribe to it, share it, tell other people about it. We just simply exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ here at the Grace Point Daily Podcast. So we hope to do that in different ways with different people, different stories, and all those kind of things. So here today, we're going to add a new layer, a new wrinkle to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. It is going to be a weekly verse-by-verse edition. And to help us out with that is going to be a guy named Rick Maynard. He's a guy who teaches the Bible through each and every week here at Grace Point Church in Carthage, Missouri. So if you, some of you may be a part of that or you've been going to that class, but For some of you, you're not able to do that, and so we thought that would be a great addition to the show to just have one time out of the week where we just verse by verse go through the Bible, and hopefully that will encourage you. Well, let's welcome him to the Grace Point Daily Podcast, Rick Maynard. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Well, we're excited. You're a guy who is going to be our doctor, our professor, our teacher, our counselor, so you got a big responsibility here now in the Grace Point Daily Podcast. I prefer uh, Rabbi Rick or Reverend would be good. So, Well, Rick, before we really get into the material, why don't you just let everyone know a little bit about who you are? Well, I was born here in Carthage, uh, pretty much raised in the church. I have said that I uh, was born saved. I don't really remember a time in my life that, uh, that I gave my life to the Lord. I was just uh, in the church from the very beginning. Uh, Sunday school and every part of the church, every every time the doors were open, we were in church. So I'm not like a lot of people where I have a defining moment uh, in my life. But but anyway, born and raised in the church and uh, still here, 62 years old, so 62 years in the church. Wow, that's amazing. And that, that, that has to potentially be, we should call Guinness Book of World Records. That could potentially be a Guinness Book of World Records. We know we live in a day and age where people are church hoppers, they're bouncing around, they go here and there, but you have remained faithful. Do you have a reason why that is? Well, I have always felt like that, uh, you know, I've never been the, the greatest uh, uh person in the congregation, you know, as far as the pastor, there were pastors I didn't respect like I should have. You know, I learned later in life that I didn't treat everybody quite right during the years, but I always just felt like that uh, this was the place. I didn't want to start someplace new. Uh, I felt like this had been part of my life, and I just, that would have been a major change for me to uh, change churches. I can't imagine going anywhere else. Wow. And I'm sure it's hard for you to get in the minds of someone, people who do that, right? Who bounce around here and there. It is. I I can't imagine uh, getting up and not knowing which church I'm going to this week and and getting irritated and moving every time you turn around, every time something's not, you know, it hasn't always been perfect for me in the church. There's, I've gone through times where there were things I didn't like or uh, sermons I didn't like or (laughs) something, the direction something was going. But I just figured, you know what, it's that way everywhere. Right, no right. No place is perfect, so you're just going to move from one problem to another problem. Yeah. So wow. I'm, a, I'm a stayer. Well, that's not the sermon today, but we appreciate your endurance and faithfulness to the church, specifically Grace Point. So the goal of having you on this podcast is to go through verse by verse. Before we really dive into that, tell me a little bit about how you got this passion and this vision to go verse by verse through the Bible. Well, 
<clears throat> I had taught for years uh, just trying to figure out what to teach, and that was always the most difficult thing for me uh, because it wasn't just one sermon uh, now and then. Uh, you were doing it every week, and so it was a matter of I struggled more with what to teach. Once I would decide, then I was okay to find the information and be able to teach. But finally I got to the point where it was like, you know what, let's just start <laughs> Genesis 1-1, and we'll start going through and see how that goes. And uh, we spent probably three years in the book of Genesis, uh, just a few verses a week. Uh, there's no deadlines. You go as far as you can go with the time that you have, and then you stop. And so... Uh, that's where it all started, was just trying to decide what to do. And you're kind of going through, you've been going through just from Genesis to Revelation has kind of been the goal? That's what I've done so far. Uh, we skip a little bit once in a while if it's repetitive. If you get into different chapters that repeat themselves, then we kind of skip that and move to something else. But so far, we've pretty much gone from Genesis to where we are now in Second Samuel. So someday when you get to the dreaded Psalm 119 chapter, everyone's going to be like, no, yeah. this is going to take forever. That's what I, I tease people <laughs> sometimes. It's like, well, we've only got a few more verses. We should be done in a couple of months. So your goal is teach through the entire Bible and then die. That would be pretty good, I guess. <laughs> I don't think or there's enough like time that. left for me. <laughs> so anyway, well, let's dive into it. Where are you at right now in the Word? I'm in 2 Samuel uh, 23.5. All right. So this is where 2 Samuel 23.5. I know maybe you haven't been th- from Genesis leading up to this point, but I told Rick, hey, let's just dive into it because the Word of God, it's living, it's active. I know it's going to speak to you. So Rick, take it away. I'm just going to interject here at times and be potentially that annoying person in the class that asks you really dumb questions or impossible or difficult questions, but let's dive into it today. Okay, so you're going to take Kelly Stevens' <laughs> right. uh, place in my class, is that what you're saying? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, we have uh, uh, brought this up to this chapter. This is where we were at last week, so this is, will be uh, what we taught uh, last Sunday morning in class, so I'm just going to start reading uh, and we'll comment as we go through, but uh, this is David speaking, and, and if you look at some of the titles, uh, head, headlines, I guess, in the Bible, it would call these uh, the last words of David. Uh, they're not uh, David laying on his deathbed. Uh, they are just some of the last things that he talked about in his life before he died. And so uh, this is part of that, part of those famous last words, I guess you would say, of David. He says, Is not my house right with God? Has he not made me with an everlasting covenant arranged and secured in every part? Will he not bring to fruition fruition my salvation and grant me my every desire? Now, there's there's different versions of that. Some people think that those are not questions, but they were statements of David, that he was saying his house was not right with God. But most Mm -hmm. people, when you read commentary, commentary, Mm -hmm. get the word out here, but when you read commentary, a lot of them, uh, we'll go back to this, that he was asking these as rhetorical questions. In other words, uh, is my house not right with God? In other words, he's saying my house is right with God. Has he not made me with an everlasting covenant? Yes, he's made me with an everlasting covenant. Is it arranged and secured in every part? Yes, it is. Hmm. So looking at uh, rhetorical uh, questions is what he's doing here. And that covenant that he talks about is... Uh, three things. It's arranged by God, it's secured by God, and it's secured in every part. 
So I, I asked the question uh, to my class and to listeners, uh, why do we worry so much about something that is covenant? In other words, God has made a covenant. Mm-hmm. Some covenants are conditional, but David has met some of those things is what he's saying here. But they're, uh, they're covenant. God has promised that he would do it. Uh, they are everlasting. They weren't something just for the moment. Uh, they are arranged by God, and they are secured by God. So in other words, those things, those promises, those things in our life, uh, why do we worry so much when those things are covenant, mm-hmm. everlasting, arranged, and secured by God? And so. I think there's, as David was declaring that, there's a, I'm just trying to think how I can implement into my that into my life or my prayer life where I don't think that's cheesy or inappropriate to have at times that rhetorical dialogue in my prayer time with God, right? As that's right. Lord, you're the everlasting. It's like I'm asking a question, but I know the answer. It's just that I'm declaring right. it and reminding myself of that. Right. Most, I think, in, in uh, today's culture, people would say, duh. You know, I'm asking these questions like, these are ridiculous questions. We know the answer to them when we ask the question. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> during our, our prayer times or whatever, reminding ourselves that that's who he is. And it's not being overly confident. David's just stating things that God promised and God said. Uh, he's repeating what God said to him. He's not being arrogant in yeah. any of these things. Sometimes when we say the promises of God uh, and declare them, it can sound arrogant, but they're truth, right? They're truth it in their true. life. You know, I'm victorious. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. God is on my side. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm God's child. You know, those in some senses to other people, I guess, could be like, well, geez, geez you just think you're really special. No, I'm not. I'm just declaring what is truth and what is applicable to my life. That is right. David calls himself righteous. Well, if we went around calling ourselves righteous, <laughs> people would think we were full of ourselves. Yeah. But I am at righteous. I'm in right standing with God. Mm-hmm. So, uh, verse 6, But evil men are all to be cast aside like thorns which are not gathered with the hand. Uh, David uses some poetic things. We know in the Psalms, um, he was very poetic there. So some of the wording is maybe not like we would say it, but he's really talking about um, his descendants. Uh, We know that David's family was not good, that he had some problems in the family. So he's not talking about just uh, evil people in general in this statement. He's talking about his family, Hmm. uh, the evil men, his descendants that would uh, not only have been before him, but would come... Uh, after him. And so uh, he's talking about those evil men, not would, would they just be silenced or whatever, but that they would be cast aside uh, in order to see what God has done. And so, you know, we can have all the love in the world for people, but when people are coming against us uh, in, in ways that are anti-Christ, anti-biblical, we should have uh, a desire for those people to be cast aside. The Bible tells us to restore people but it also says if you can't restore people, then they should be put aside or put out of the church as far as, yeah. uh, as, far as that I goes. I think the greatest uh, battles and struggles that we deal with that you're kind of mentioning there is in the context of the family, in our own family, but specifically in the family of God. I found that out as a Christian that it seems like the harder battles are fought within the family, not outside of the family That's sometimes. Right. That's right. And David had, David had family problems. We know that. <laughs> if you want to read about David, he... He pretty much had all the problems that every family uh, has. He had all the struggles that all of us have. That's why he's in the Word of God, but still a man after God's own heart. Amen. So 23-7, 
whoever touches thorns uses a tool of iron or a shaft of a spear. They are burned up where they lie. It's just talking about associating with the, uh, with the evil man. Verse 8, these are the names of David's mighty men. So it takes a little bit of a turn here, uh, and that's just the way the Bible is sometimes. Uh, again, we've talked about the fact that uh, it's not written uh, verse by verse, book by book, like we think it is. Mm. Uh, but it was just a change. So I guess this would, uh, in most places, this would be a, a new chapter for David. But he begins, it begins to talk about some of David's men. And again, as the last words, uh, David would be talking about those people that were influential in his life. And I think uh, all of us would do that very thing. when If we knew that we were coming to the end of our life, whether uh, it's through illness or disease or whatever, or if we were just um, with age, we knew that chances are we don't have very many years left to live, then we would begin to recall those people. If we were talking, uh, you know, if I was going to talk to my boys and say, you know, hey, I don't know how much longer I've got. These are some things I want to say. Uh, I would probably remind them of the people in my life that have been uh, yeah. influential. And so uh, that's what David begins to do here. It says, these are the names of David's mighty men. Uh, Josheb, Bahasabate, a Tehemonite was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. So, David, there's 37 men that he mentions uh, that were special in his life, but mm. he divides those up into three uh, right here, and then there's three that come up uh, that are named. Now, uh, it talks about David here, uh, or about um, uh this man, I won't try to pronounce the name again, but uh, how he killed 800 with, uh, by himself. It doesn't necessarily mean uh, by himself. The wording there, uh, and we know it's possible. We know what Samson did uh, with the jawbone. We know that uh, with miraculous things. Uh, but these are skirmishes that they had that were outside the big Philistine battles. So these are just some of the things that are mentioned. They may be great, but... Uh, there may have been only 800 men, and he killed them all. Hmm. Or at least wow. his few men killed them all. And so, um, and that's all it mentions about him. Some of these guys, it just mentions one great feat, and then it doesn't go on to talk about their personality, what kind of person they were, what they meant to David, or anything else. He's just naming some people that were significant warriors. David was a warrior. Yeah. He was a loving man and a family man, but he was a warrior. Yeah, it's kind of just making me think of, number one, who are the mighty men in my life? Uh, number one, who am I placing in my life? The kind of people that are in my story. But then secondly, maybe, I know it's not specifically addressing this, but who shouldn't be in my life? Who shouldn't be in my story? Clearly, uh, David al aligned himself and put good people in his life, just as some of the other times when he was struggling, there was bad people in his life, too. I can name, and most most of the people I would name have been the pastors here at the church. You know, the things that different seasons of my life that I have learned the things I needed to learn uh, while that particular pastor was here and the next pastor came along and I would try to apply that. Uh, I said I, I wasn't a very good uh, person to Brother Henson when he was here. <laughs> and uh, I made amends with him. I apologized for things that I'd said and done. Uh, when Brother Perkins came along, 
you know, there was a, a friendship there, but I learned things. And one of the things I learned was about honoring the pastor. And so I tried to honor uh, Brother Perkins. And whether Brother Graham came uh, the first day he was here, I said, I just want you to know I'm a pastor supporter. I want you to know that up front before I get to know you. In other words, I, I honor the position of the pastor, not the man, because I didn't know him. You know, <laughs> and in the back of his mind, he's like, "Oh, this guy's probably got an yeah. agenda by saying that." <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to be your assistant pastor. <laughs> There's a story I love to tell, real quickly. But when I was in South Dakota as a worship pastor, there was a particular pastor there, Pastor Larry, and I was just not a big fan of his per se. I loved him. I mean, we did get along, but we butted heads. Uh, rather thoroughly at times as well. <laughs> and I always remember one time just sitting in prayer, staff prayer, and just saying like, Lord, I just, I don't like him, Lord. You know, he annoys, and all thinking through that process. And God's like, yeah, but I put him in your life because you need him. You need, you know, so just as much as God puts people we like in our life, same token, God puts people in our life that maybe we don't personally prefer, but they're needed because they ultimately cultivate who God wants us to be. That's right, and I, I uh, feel like you know, with this next chapter, with uh, Pastor Jeremiah becoming the, the pastor here, there will be things that, uh, you know, we may not agree on over time. But <laughs> I honor that position, and and uh, you know, when I come to the end of my life, there'll be things of this uh, portion of my life, <laughs> maybe just the podcast. It's like this is all brand new for me. So, so amen. Anyway, uh, verse nine. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodei, the Ahoahite. As one of three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines, gathered at Pasdamin for battle. Then the men of Israel uh, retreated. Let me just go ahead and read verse 10 because it's kind of a continuation. It says, But he stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar but only to strip uh, the dead. So uh, Eleazar is a, uh, is a cousin of David's. Uh, David had some of his you know, big families then. Uh, there were relatives that were part of that. Uh, David and his three men taunted the Philistine army. Now, I don't know how that went, but I can't imagine these three guys uh, standing up and taunting an army. You know, it's one thing to think, Lord, maybe you can help us here, and what are we going to do in this situation? But to actually stand up and taunt, and I, I thought, you know, uh, David learned from the best because uh, that's exactly what Goliath did to the Israeli army. Mm-hmm. He came out every day and taunted them. Yeah. And so now we have the Philistines on the other side, and David comes out and taunts the Philistine army. Uh, so it's, it's uh, picking a fight, mm-hmm. in other words. But the Philistines just kept coming back. They just had these skirmishes and never quite got rid of all of them. Yeah, wow. And that was what David was uh, supposed to do. That's what they were always supposed to do, but they just never could seem to quite get uh, a grip on that or get rid of them, I guess. Right. Who are the? And that's a great point. You know, it's a very interesting dynamic and point to think of. Who are the? Who are the Philistines in our lives? You know that we have struggles and sins and obstacles to overcome and we might kill the Goliath, but it seems like, you know, there's always certain things that want to keep creeping their heads back into our life. Right. And, and, you know, it's not, it's not so bad to stand up and say, uh, and you know, we don't want to taunt or tempt the devil like, Hey, come on, you know, uh, 
let's let's fight or what i don't mean that but uh but we do need to stand up and say to the devil he has no mm. ground yeah you know that i have somebody behind me and that's exactly what david did he didn't fight on his own we don't have every word of the conversation that went here but david never fought on his own yeah all of these things he always said with god's help that i was able to get the victory and in this case it talks about this guy uh fighting eleazar talks about the uh the sword stuck to his hand that he fought so uh, valiantly uh and there's a couple of different beliefs part of it is just the fact that you know you hang on to something long enough uh, your hand kind of gets Hmm. stuck to it almost uh you're gripping so tight and fighting so hard part of it uh and not to be gross but part of it they believe maybe just the sword itself stuck because of blood and dried blood oh yeah uh, on that yeah. sword too that he was so wow. valiantly fighting doesn't tell us how many um you know uh, how many men he killed uh, in that situation but probably something like uh, the previous one with 800 men or whatever. He's fighting an army. It calls him an army. Wow. I'm all, And practically, just speaking to you, I was at a, a prayer meeting the other day, and this particular individual had swords in their prayer room or whatever, and just, you know, some of them were supposed to be roughly the size or shape, and you pick those up, and you imagine, you try to think back to these epic battles of fighting with swords and the amount of energy that would take, I mean, just in a, a minute or two of holding it and kind of playing around with it and to think, wow, to have a battle, a continuous right. battle for minutes, hours, the the literal physical strength that would have took, taken to accomplish that. Right. And, you know, only with God's help. You know, these were these were supernatural events. These were not events that, you know, happened every day. That's why they're mentioned here. If they happened every day, they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't bring it out like they do. But I thought... Um, when these guys came back to, I can't imagine what it says. They came back to strip the dead. So the army ran away. And in this story and in the next story, uh, it's that example. You asked me why I stayed, you know, all those years. And this is part of it. You stay to fight. But what happened was they ran away. You mm -hmm. know, when things got tough, they ran away. And, and then they only came back to take the benefits of, wow. you know, of the thing. And so <laughs> uh, I hear people a lot of times that'll say, you know, my church or our church is doing this or doing that. And they've only been there a week, you know, yeah. <laughs> but they claim it. <clears throat> right. Yeah. They claim it as if they had something to do with it. Yeah. So, there, there's, there's no blood, sweat and tears. Right into that thing. I was even, I'm looking forward to this weekend uh, with Pastor Perkins. And even I've had conversations with Pastor Graham. And one of the things that, you know, we were talking about, I was specifically talking about with Pastor Graham the other day, it was just, you know, as we as pastors, we invest our whole lives into this thing, literally our whole life into this thing called the church, which is what we are actually all of us together. But uh, people can't really comprehend all that you put into that and the ownership. And even today, if I would walk through the halls of this church, even though they're not visible, there are pieces of Pastor Graham and Perkins all over this church. I can't see them, right. but they're there and their effort and their labor uh, is fills this building each and every day. That's right. That's right. So these, these guys were all people who, uh, who stood with David Verse uh, 11 and 12, next to him was Shammah, son of Agi, 
the Herorite, when the Philistines bonded, bonded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his sword in the middle of the field. He, def- he defeated it, or took his stand in the middle of the field. He defeated it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. So again, you have another story of, it says, uh, when things got tough, they ran away and left him there. Uh, so twice in a row it talks about that. The The belief is that the, the uh, Israeli people, the Israelites, came there to harvest what was theirs. And so they weren't doing anything to create battle or conflict. They were just coming to take what was theirs, the lentils in the field. Hmm. And so they didn't uh, pick a fight with them, but the Philistines were there eating their produce, eating their crops and what they had worked hard uh, for. And a lot of people would say, you know, not knowing him, well, isn't that a great risk to take just to defeat or to defend a field of barley or whatever, uh, that it's a great, you know, isn't that just crazy to take that kind of a risk for something that's not so important? But he felt like it was important. And it was important because uh, the enemy was the Philistines, who mm. they had kept fighting all along and kept coming back uh, to give them trouble. And all of a sudden, he's like, you know what? I've had enough wow. of this. And it might just be a field, but I'm going to fight for what would seem like a small thing to somebody else that wouldn't be worth fighting for, but I'm going to fight to take care of that. And again, that one says, with the help of the Lord. And I think they would... Uh, if the Bible were a little more in depth, every scripture would follow with the help of the Lord. Yeah, when there I, was a victory. I was even getting ready this morning. I had this jacket coat made a few years back. I did a sermon series called "I Will Fight," and so I had this jacket made on the back. It says "I Will Fight," and that's all it says. And the purpose is was to get people to say, "What is your What does your jacket mean?" It's like, well, and we talked about fighting for three things: fighting for our church, fighting for our city, and fighting for our family. But that importance of fighting for what God has given you is very important, physically and spiritually. That's right. And I, uh, that, again, that goes back to, to uh, faithfulness to the church and staying in the church all these years. It doesn't grant me any special privileges, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't have ownership in the church. Uh, if my positions or whatever are taken away, I don't feel like I, uh, you know, we've laughed about having your seat in the church and having your parking space. and. Yep all of those kind of things, but this church uh, doesn't owe me anything. You know, I owe it everything. Yeah. You know, I sit here today uh, privileged to be able to to teach the Word without, uh, I don't have any Bible school training, I don't have any uh, credentials, I don't have anything like that, but I have been privileged uh, over the years to be allowed uh, to stand in a pulpit, behind a pulpit, and and teach or speak or on a Wednesday night or a Sunday, whenever it may be, uh, it's been a privilege for me. I have yeah. uh, two or three pastors who sit in my Sunday school class. Now, uh, you know, that's not <laughs> like, well, I'm a great man that they come. I am so humbled yeah. by the fact that these great people who know far more than I do about the Word will come and sit and listen to me teach. I've been extremely uh, blessed. Yeah, that's awesome. That. So... Um, <laughs> I don't know how far you want to go. I don't know how we are on You got time. some more? Let's do a couple more. Okay. Uh, verse Good 13, stuff. 
During harvest time, three of the 30 chief's men came down to, came down to David at the cave of Adullam while a ba band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Raphaim. Um, some think that these were the, the same three that they were talking about, but it names some different people here. So uh, the, these are, it doesn't name them here, uh, but it was Abishai, Benanai, and then the third one was unnamed, so uh, there's just speculation about who they were. This is not uh, at the same time, uh, the cave of Adullam, where uh, David camped with the 400 men who came to him. Uh, this is not that same time frame. It is the same uh, cave that they're talking about. But it's just talking about three more of these men. Verse 14 and 15, At that time David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. Uh, it's about six miles from Bethlehem to uh, Jerusalem, so they're close. They had gotten that close to the capital. So again, the Philistines are still there. Uh, when David mentioned this, he never intended for somebody to go get him a drink. He was saying, man, it would be nice to have a drink of water. He never intended to put somebody's life at risk to go get him a drink of water. Uh, that would be uh, for David uh, saying, I'm somebody and you guys need to risk your lives just to get me hmm. a drink of water. He's just longing and speaking out, uh, uh, speaking out loud the thoughts that are in his mind. It would be as if, uh, you know, one of us said, man, I long for the, the younger days. Man, I'd love to have a new car, and somebody goes and brings a new car. Now, that would be great if I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> right. But uh, it's like longing for things that would be good, but not really expecting someone uh, to, to bring that back to you and to risk their lives in order to do that. Uh, so, verse 16, so the three mighty men broke through the enemy lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, carried it back to David, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. And <clears throat> we're going to get into this a little more uh, this coming Sunday and talking about pouring out that, uh, that drink uh, before the Lord, pouring out that water before the Lord, and how that relates actually to some of the Jewish uh, uh, festivals and feasts that they have. So... Cool. I think one of the couple things, well, the first one is, you know, that last verse you were in there. It's like, I'm, I'm really hungry for Buffalo Wild Wings, but I'm not expecting you to get me a gift card for pastor appreciation or anything. I just, I really like the thought of, you know, eating some Buffalo Wild uh -huh. Wings right now. Can't, can't. Uh, <laughs> but secondly, the, it's amazing. I'm not a big geography guy, but I think one of the things that I always, I guess, as I read it or get older, notice more in the Old Testament is how a position matters to God. Uh, you know, the caves and the spots and these moments that the literal physical, our physical and our spiritual position means everything to God. Yes, it does. And I, I uh, was privileged to go to uh, Israel, I don't know how many years ago, but anyway, and to see those areas, it just brings all of that to life when you read these stories. Uh, I know there's encouragement, you know, from you for mission trips and things, but man, if you could ever get to Israel, uh, I said, if you believe the Bible 90%, you'll believe 100%. If you believed it 100%, oh, okay. you'll believe it 110% because you drive by those places. And they say up there on that mountainside somewhere, one of those caves at that time was called the Cave of Adullam. Hmm. You know, you think that that's, those 
guys were walking those mountains and hiding out in those caves and Wow. And uh, it really does exist. <laughs> wow. Do you have any last thoughts here for us, Rick, on this first verse-by-verse edition of the Grace Point Daily Podcast? No, it's just an encouragement for people <laughs> to realize that, uh, you know, every verse of the Bible is important. You know, sometimes we read over things. We read over gene- genealogies and things like that, and we think that uh, it's not important. But every verse is important, and that's why mm-hmm. there's almost some kind of a comment uh, very seldom do we read several verses without stopping and, and talking about what God's trying to say there. So I think every verse of the Bible is important. And I'm going to challenge you to go back to one of our, our last, I don't remember what episode it is, but we talked about reading the entire Bible through in a year. And I'm just going to challenge you, finish off with that challenge once again, is that you would read the Bible this year in 2019, the whole thing. Again, there's all kinds of resources, whether it's apps or a physical yearly Bible or You don't have to do it that way. You could read a book at a time, but I'm just going to encourage you, get in the Word, get in the Bible. It will challenge you. It will refresh you. It will encourage you. It will give you direction. It will establish discipline. It will do all kinds of amazing things in your life. Hey, thank you for joining us on this first episode of the Grace Point Daily Verse by Verse Edition. We look forward to bringing these to you each and every week alongside Rick Maynard. Thanks, Rick, once again. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, I'll talk to you guys next time.